This afternoon, I want to teach on Proverbs, medicine for your health. I think all of us enjoy good health, and we like to have good health. I've never met anyone in my life who did not desire to be healthy. And to prove that, you look at the medicine cabinet in most folks' homes, and you look at how Often, people will go to the doctor when it's something they're unable to solve or fix on their own. We all want to be well. And to be quite honest with you, a healthy body is a whole lot better to deal with and handle than an unhealthy body. And to, to, if you think about it, there are a number of preventive things that we can do to try to help maintain that. We certainly need to develop our inner man. Be stronger on the inside spiritually so that it can help throw off some of the attacks that come to us physically. There are people overseas who die every day, and I think they could live longer if they just had clean water. And I think there are people who would live longer if they just had someone who could dress a wound or wipe down some kind of a scab or sore. The scripture gives us a number of things related to our health. And Proverbs chapter 3, I want to begin reading with verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. That's evidence that there are things you don't know and other people know better than you. And that person who knows much better than you, that would be God. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Which again, tells us God knows about our path. He knows about the direction of our lives. He understands what we're going to encounter in the future. The adversarial things as well as the blessings that lay up ahead. And since he says we should acknowledge him and he'll direct it, that means that our ability to glorify him and put him first has everything with how we're going to deal with obstacles on this path. In all your ways acknowledge him. Well, what if your way leads you down a particular path where you're facing illness or disease? What do you do? You acknowledge him. You acknowledge him. You say acknowledge him in what way? I'm not saying write a letter to him. I'm not saying salute him then worship him as your physician, as your healer, as your deliverer. It says this is the person who will direct your paths. He'll direct your paths when you're healthy. He can also direct your paths when you're ill. He can give you wisdom. Verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So verse 7 speaks of us not becoming proud or foolish to the point where we are conceited and believe that it's wisdom. But he tells us two things. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. Verse 8 says, it shall be health to thy navel. But what is it referring to? Is it referring to fear the Lord? Or is it referring to depart from evil? Well, let's go to Proverbs 19. What does the Bible say 
about the fear of the Lord. We'll give you one scripture, Proverbs 19, verse 23, and we'll let you help me with this. The fear of the Lord tendeth to what? Life. Life. Now, that's what healing is. Life manifested, life released in the physical body. It says, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. What is he saying? The person that is healthy will be content. Now, that's all of us. We desire to be content. As I said in the beginning, I've never met anyone who wanted to be ill. Nobody. Never met anybody like that. And then verse 23, the last sentence, he shall not be visited with evil. So the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. I could also show you in Proverbs 14 where it says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. So that means that life continues to spring up inside of you when you acknowledge and reverence and give deference to God, putting him first. There's a continual fountain, just like a spring out here in one of these areas of the Great Plains. You have a creek called Spring Creek or some other area, and there'll be a spring bubbling up with water all the time. And that's what the scripture says, the fear of the Lord is in you. It is life continually bursting forth. You cannot suppress it. It's the same thing with joy. And the scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Returning now to Proverbs 3. It, if it's the fear of the Lord then we know that can be health to thy navel. And then depart from evil. Well, you know as well as I do, to turn from evil, to shun wickedness, also produces life and health. Because to turn from evil is to turn from death. To turn from sin is to turn from death. To turn toward righteousness is to turn to life. So according to... Verse number eight, then, when it says, it shall be health to thy navel, I like the way Solomon put that because it could have a dual application. It could be the fear of the Lord or it could be departing from whatever is evil. Now, why is the navel so important in that human body? It doesn't matter too much at all as you come into this world, but before you're in this world, if you're yet in mama's womb, that's how we're nourished. This was the Hebrew way of explaining to us that nourishment and supply comes to us through that navel. So the umbilical cord and its attachment produce not death, but life. So whatever goes into mama, do you think that goes into the kid? Better believe it. If, if mama's an alcoholic, you think that's going to affect that kid? Yes. If mama's doing drugs, will that affect the child? You better believe it. Death is going to enter into the mother and then through the umbilical cord go right into the child so you end up with a baby that's born into this world like so many babies have been born in major cities around the world where they would call them crack babies. The babies would be shaking, trembling, tremors because of what had been put in them. Now, according to this, what needs to be placed inside of us is the fear of the Lord, the departure from evil, and this is going to provide health. How will this provide health? Because if we're turning from where we should not be, that's going to keep us healthy. Now, now think of it this way. 
The man or woman that experiments in their youth with substances that do nothing but bring harm to the body, I can promise you it is going to affect them physically eventually. If someone listens to what an adult or a peer says, and they say, leave that alone. Don't get involved with marijuana. Don't get involved with alcohol. Don't get involved with meth. Don't get involved with this or that. If they avoid that, then they retain health and life. Have you ever seen the pictures of former friends when they were in high school and their faces were uh, fat and filled out and healthy and then you see them decades later after sin has ravished them and you wonder what happened. I can tell you what happened. Somehow that spiritual umbilical cord that flows from God down to man, somehow something bad was placed inside of man and it started affecting them physically. Scripture says that by fearing the Lord and departing from evil, it'll be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Now, I assume we all realize that marrow is important in the bones, so important that the doctors will even give people bone marrow transplants. Very important. So if you can take something out of one person, put it into another person, and produce healing, then how much more does God want to take something from the spiritual realm, release it in the physical realm, so that it also will produce in us the healing that is desirable? Well, let's look at another verse in Proverbs. Uh, Go over to to Proverbs chapter 4. I think I'm at verse... 22, but I'll start with verse 20. My son, attend to my words and climb thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their what? Flesh. Health. Again, we run into that word. Health to all their flesh. Well, if Solomon's words are adhered to, according to what he's telling his son, his words can produce health. Well, we believe this book is inspired by God. We believe it's infallible. We believe it contains the inerrant revelation of the Lord. It gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness, as the scriptures say. We don't believe that this book contains any fables or legends, as Peter said. As Peter said that, We have not conveyed unto you legends and fables that we've heard from other people. But we were in the holy mount with Jesus when he was transfigured and we passed on that revelation unto you. So since we believe these are the words of God, then we understand these proverbs, these words of wisdom, these short little concise sayings contain enough information to produce life in our body. These words, he says, keep them in the midst of your heart. Colossians says, let the word of God dwell richly in your heart. How do I let God's word dwell in my heart? I meditate on it. I think about it. I read God's word. Now, there are a lot of people you'll talk to, and they will tell you they don't enjoy reading. Well, then, if you don't enjoy reading and you're a Christian, you don't enjoy health. Because the scripture says... 
that God's word is profitable for instruction, profitable for doctrine, profitable for reproof, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thoroughly furnished. That means thoroughly supplied for all good works. If you don't know what's in the book, then how in the world can you retain it in your heart? But if you're able to retain it in your heart, according to what the man of God says here, he says these words will be life to those that find them. So they have to be discovered. They're like treasures that are buried in the earth and you've got to dig for them. You can't just believe that just because you have a Bible on the shelf, that Bible words are going to be transferred automatically to your heart as you walk by. Almost like you're going to pass by the shelf and then all of a sudden you're going to just absorb everything in the scripture. That doesn't happen. No. You've got to open the Bible and read it. I do know that there are people who may live like that, but... Life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. I wonder, is there a part of my body that can remain unresponsive to God's word? It seems that if it says health to all their flesh, that I'm going to have to believe that the smallest little corpuscle in this body all the way up to these wonderful beautiful ears right here that God is able to supply health if it's needed I think it was Dr. John G. Lake who they say went to some kind of laboratory and had them people study some kind of germs and bacteria under a microscope and, and as they were looking at them, they were all moving around on that slide and everything like that. And then he told them, he said, now I want you to know there's enough life in my body that when you put those germs in my hands, they're going to die. And then, according to, as I've read, he put some of those in his hands and they looked at them and they watched as everything changed because of the life that was in him. Okay, well... If we understand then, and I'm sure that'll work in reverse, but if we understand that the words of God are health to all their flesh, I wonder what happens when the word of God is played in the home. Go to sleep listening to the Bible. Or if you were to go to sleep listening to stories and testimonies of healing. Yeah. If, if you were dying... And the, the doctor said you didn't have long to live. I'm going to assume as a Christian, if you're in the hospital or they've sent you home and the hospice has, has come in, I'm going to assume you would rather have a preacher in the background talking about God's ability rather than you laying there listening to Shaka Khan or the Rolling Stones, okay? That, that's my assumption. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that if, if you want healing, then you want to hear something that's going to tell you about the power of God that's able to bring healing to, to your body. Let's look at another one here. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. Look at verse number, verse number 17 and then 18. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. 
There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. But the tongue of the wise is what? Health. So notice the tongue. We already know that the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. We understand that. Verse 18, the, the, the piercings of a sword. Have you, you don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever had an argument with someone? And after you had the argument, you just wish, wish you could get some of those words back that you said. Just a few sentences. You just wish you hadn't uttered them. Or you wish that the person you were talking to hadn't said that to you. Because words really are like a sword. They can, they can pierce you. They can harm you. They can cut you. They can break you. They can sadden you. They can grieve you. Words. But then he said the tongue of the wise is hell. Which means the holder of the tongue needs to produce. Or I should say the holder of the tongue needs to have wisdom in order to produce health. So we should use our speech to edify, to build up, to heal. That's what he said. Not to curse, destroy, or make someone ill, but the tongue of the wise is health. When Jesus was talking to people in the Gospels and they came to him, very often they weren't sure whether or not he would heal them. But do you realize that there's not one instance in the Gospels where somebody came to the Lord and the Lord told them to go away because he had no desire to heal them. Each time they came, he might have had a different response but whether somebody was crawling through a crowd to reach out and grab his garment, or whether somebody was coming to fall down at his feet and worship him and say, Son of David, be merciful unto me, or whether somebody was bringing their children to a home where he was residing. You see, over and over again, the ministry of Jesus, Matthew 4, verse 23, and the following verses was that of teaching, preaching, and healing. He did miracles in the home. Peter's mother-in-law was made whole. He did miracles on the Mountaintops. Matthew 15, 31 says that the people who were maimed, that's to say people without appendages, came to the Lord Jesus Christ and they were made whole. He did miracles in the plains, the flatlands. Luke tells us about thousands of people coming out to, to hear him and him ministering to them one by one. He did miracles out in the sea. How in the world could somebody walk on water then tell somebody else to get out of the boat and walk on water. So we're talking about someone who, who, whose language, whose words, whose life was such a light that he himself produced healing. I think there was something contagious about Christ. You wanted to be around him because his words made people feel like they were bigger and better and stronger. Tongues of the wise are health, according to Scripture. So hospitals deal with sick people all the time, and the focus of the hospital is health. And, of course, hospitals, they don't make any money off of healthy people. They make money off of illness. That's where the money comes in. But we praise the Lord for them every day because living in this body that we have Having an old nature, which is sinful, being born in sin, shaped in iniquity, people catch colds, people get the flu, sometimes people have a headache, sometimes people fracture a bone. But even when you go to the doctor and the doctor sets your bone, you do know that the doctor doesn't heal the bone, don't you? 
He simply puts it back in place and rearranges it. There's something in this physical body that God has so designed from Adam and Eve that when you cut somebody, it instantly begins to clot and to try to form some kind of a wound because of the healing process. So anybody who says to me, I'm not sure that God is a healer, then I just don't understand how it is that you can live life. God's a physician. He cares about each, each one of us, and he's interested in that. So over and over again, we have heard one story after another of supernatural things that God has done for us, for others, lives that have been changed. I think I told you one time that uh, Harry and I were doing a meeting years ago for a friend of ours, and this pastor friend asked us if we'd be so kind to go visit one of his people. Now, when I travel and preach, I don't have much of a desire to go visiting a whole lot of church folks for for pastors, but I went with him on this occasion, and we got into the house, and there is this lady, and she obviously has cancer, and... um, and so while she's sitting there in that, in that chair, the pastor's he's kind of giving us the story. She hadn't been out to church, and he's telling us everything about what's going on with her and how long she's been dealing with this cancer and how bad this cancer is. And so then at that time, then Harry took, I guess, oh, I don't know, maybe three to five minutes and just kind of explained how God has arranged for the healing package in redemption, the healing package in the word of God through Jesus' death. And the lady, she sat there and she listened. And then after he was done teaching her that, then we all gathered around. We, we, we laid hands on this woman. And having laid hands on this woman, the power of God came on and this lady stood up in her chair there in her house. And we were over, I think he was either over in Delaware or somewhere in New Jersey where, where this was going on. Well, the lady was out in the service that night when I had to preach, you see. Hadn't been in church in a long time. And as, as I understood it, as time went on, she was still yet in service. Well, he could have said to her, today may not be your day. And God may not want you to be well. Because God may, may very well be trying to teach you something through all of your pain. That's not what he told her. Scripture here, again in verse 18, says the tongue of the wise is what? Health. When I've gone into hospitals out here, even when the doctors have said the people were dying, I've still gone in and prayed, God touch them. As long as the individual is still in their right mind and praying and wanting to see their grandkids graduate from high school, or in their heart, and then verbally telling me, I want, to see, I want to see my grandchildren get married, maybe have kids. And why can't I agree with them and pray with them and believe God? You say, well, it may be too much on the family. Well, isn't that a bit selfish to just try to kill somebody off just because the family doesn't want to have to deal with looking after someone because they think it's too much for them if they want to live? The tongue of the, of the wise is health. Look at chapter 13 here. Verse number 17. 
A wicked messenger falleth into mischief. But a faithful ambassador is what? Health. A faithful ambassador. Now you know as well as I do that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ, as the New Testament says. But I guess you can be an unfaithful ambassador rather than a faithful one. An ambassador should have faith in God and be full of faith. Faithful, loyal, dutiful. Since you represent a king from another world and we live in this world, but we're not quite of this world, we should represent the kingdom of God in a special way. That's what God God is saying. A faithful ambassador is health. Your role is not to bring illness to people, but to bring health. That doesn't just have to be physical. It can be spiritual. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Some people have wounded spirits, wounded souls. They, they have not quite gotten over bitterness and moved over into forgiveness. And sometimes unforgiveness can be directly connected to what's going on physically in the body. I'm sure there are a lot of people that have ulcers in this world today because they're angry people. I believe that. And I'm sure there are a lot of people whose insides are all torn up and and twisted in knots, I should say, because of how angry they are. Scripture says a faithful ambassador is held. A good ambassador comes along and embraces somebody and hugs them and says, look, you don't have to be like this. God can help you. He can help you. Piggybacking on that same story I told you earlier with Harry, we were doing another meeting, a miracle service this time, and we were in a school auditorium, and I preached that morning on the the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Well, I got to the end of that message, and and I knew with all them folks that were in there, and just it's like Acts chapter 14, you could see faith had come alive in, in in the eyes of people. Their countenance were... We're radiating, and I said, now is the time for us to begin praying. I started on one side. He was on the other. We had all kinds of people in there. They had brought one lady in there that had been in a terrible car accident. Four, four men carried her in there. She never could, never could walk at all, but they brought her in there, had her stretched out there right up the center aisle where I was preaching, and, and they had people that had come in, strollers and all that. I don't know how they advertise the meeting, but I do know this. After we started laying hands on people, you just started yelling and screaming and all of the shouting. The, the, the woman who had been brought in by four people, pretty soon she was up and she was walking around without any aid and she's moving very slowly just like this as she's going around that auditorium. About a half hour later as we're still praying for more and more people, now she's walking with a little bit more fluency as she's going around. And by the end, she was walking even faster. I mean, her family, they were in tears. There was a little girl they had brought to me. that, that She was living with her grandmother because her parents were on drugs. And I don't know if they were dead or, or in jail. It's been too long now. But, but I know the grandmother said to me, could you please pray for my granddaughter? I have had her for the last three years, and in the last several years, she has not smiled or laughed. That's what she said. Now, can you imagine? Here's a, here's a little girl, can't be no more than 10 or 11 or something like that, and just angry and full of bitterness. Now, now kids, I'm telling you, kids are made to laugh. I know that better than anybody because I'm always asking, are you a tickle box? And then I just go to just grabbing on them, and there's a whole lot of laughter that comes out. And I looked at this girl, and she was angry. 
If looks could kill, I would have fell over dead in that altar. But I told that grandma, I said, you give me a little bit of time with her. I walked this little girl over a little ways and started talking to her, ministering to her. And I said, do you mind if, if I lay hands on you and pray? And, and she said, I don't, I don't mind. And, and I put my hand on her, and I commanded that oppressive spirit to come out of her in the name of Jesus. I broke the power of that thing by the blood of the Lord. And I'm telling you, ten minutes later, that little girl was over there in the corner, had her hands up, tears rolling down her face, biggest smile on her face, and her grandma had a big, huge embrace around her. Now, see, if I'd have did like the healing evangelists in the 50s, I'd have shut the meeting down took up an offering. Didn't think about that at all. You know, that's, that's not about exploiting people. But I can tell you one thing. A grandma and a granddaughter reconcile powerfully, you see. A faithful ambassador is help. That's the kind of person you want around you when you're not feeling well. I go into, see, my internist or my doctor. I walk in that room. I want to see a smile from them. I'm already feeling bad. I don't need them to come in and say, oh, my goodness, Pastor Sutton, you look bad. I know that. <laughs> I, I know that. I feel bad right now, Doc. I feel bad. So when people come in off the streets and they enter into the house of God, they gather into the congregation of the righteous, and they're in our presence, what they need is a smile because the scripture says a merry heart does good like what? A medicine. A medicine. So just to be around people who make you smile and laugh, that's powerful. That's scripture. So again, Proverbs, Proverbs 13 there, verse number 17, a wicked messenger falls into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. That's scripture. That's scripture. What kind of ambassador do you want to be? Let me give you another one. Proverbs 16, title of the lesson. Proverbs, medicine, your health. This is all preventive, and it's also curative. Verse number 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Notice that. We keep running into that word health, and now we run into pleasant Words, the way you talk to people, has everything to do with how they can be affected by what you say. Going back to what I said when I have to go see a doctor. I don't need them to look at me and then say to me, I, just, this is terrible. You, 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 you look like walking death. <laughs> Gosh, you look bad. Well, you, you, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't want a pastor to be like that. That reminds me of the time uh, Diana Hagee, John Hagee's wife, earlier in their ministry, because John was holding camp meetings and preaching all over the place and, and pastoring and stuff like that, she said she didn't sing, she didn't play an instrument or the piano like a lot of pastors' wives, so women were always asking her, what's your ministry? And so she said, she decided, she tried to figure out what her ministry was. So she thought her, her ministry, she wanted, she wanted to counsel a lot of these, these troubled people in the church, a lot of these young ladies. So she said she, 
She got all set up and had studied all of this stuff and got her mind prepared for the kinds of answers she would hear. And she had an office and brought somebody in. And then she asked the person what their problem was. And then they just unloaded. Oh, my, just unloaded. It was like the garbage truck just backed in and just let it all out. And, and she said after she, she, she listened to the person... She said she's looking for the right words to come out. And she, she just simply said to the lady, you did all that? She realized counseling wasn't her calling. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. That's what the scriptures say. So it's what we teach, what we say, how we act, how we connect. I heard Kenneth Hagin tell a story one time. He was in a, in a teaching meeting, and his meetings, he oftentimes, he, he wouldn't accept a meeting uh, unless they would ask him to come for about maybe three to six weeks. He thought it took him at least two weeks just to get faith into people and teach them the word of God. And then he said right along about the third, fourth, or fifth week, he just starts seeing all kinds of supernatural things take place. Well, he was in one of his camp meetings, and I don't know if this was in Tulsa or another location, but he said they had brought a, a woman down who was in a wheelchair. I don't know if it was rheumatic fever, whatever it was, she was paralyzed. But as he's telling the story, he said when they rolled the lady down and he came close to her to start ministering to her, before he could even say a word, she just started screaming at the top of her lungs, Oh, Lord, heal me, heal me, please heal me. And he, was, he couldn't get her attention because she was screaming and begging so loud. Well, the doctors had told her she'd never walk again. The people had drove a very long way to get to this camp meeting. So he said as she was going through all of that, he was trying to get her attention. He couldn't get her attention because she was busy yelling and screaming. So he said he grabbed her by the shoulder and he said he shook her almost till her teeth rattled. And he said he screamed at her and said, shut up in the name of Jesus, shut up. So he told her in front of thousands of people, you know. And he said that as he was trying to minister to the girl, he said then he, he could hear people in the, in the audience background saying, what kind of man of God is this to shake a woman like that? He doesn't know anything about God. And he said as he was ministering, he realized that now it had become like when Jesus was in his own hometown and he couldn't do no mighty work save that he laid his, laid his hands on a few sick folk because they didn't believe in him. And he realized that just like that, the people stopped believing in him because of how he had yelled at the woman. So he said the people inevitably as a group corporately put the brakes on. And he said then he had to stand up there and teach the people why he yelled at the lady to get her attention because he wanted her to know if she can't hear the words coming out of his mouth, she won't know what he's going to do. Then he said he, he realized he felt there was some kind of release in the service. He went back to teaching the woman and that lady that the doctors had said would never walk again 15 minutes later was up running all around and out of the wheelchair. You see, a Faithful ambassadors health. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bone. The ministry God's committed to you, the ministry God's committed to me, is to help and bless people. 
Not to discourage them, but to cause them to believe that greater is he that's within them than he that is in the world. That's the kind of God that we serve. So when we think about broken hearts, wounded spirits, diseases of any kind, we come back to that scripture that says, it shall be health to all their flesh. Well, pastor, don't you understand that, that this person needs a liver transplant? Okay, get them on the list. And do whatever you can to get somebody, find somebody who can do that. But meanwhile, here's what we must believe. His word will be health to all their flesh. Well, they're in a coma. We don't know if they ever come out of it. And at some point, the doctor said they're going to pull the plug because insurance isn't going to pay for this for the rest of their life. Then I guess we need to get busy on the word because it says his word will be health to all their flesh. Well, Pastor, don't you understand there's a possibility because of the diabetes they could lose their foot from the knee all the way down, lose part of their leg? But don't forget any part of the body that you think of, it still is covered under that phrase, all their flesh. And this is how we have to believe. This is what God has called us to. He brought us out of sin into salvation, out of death into life to believe that the same God that's able to regenerate our spirit is also able to quicken our mortal bodies. And sickness and disease, all it is is incipient death, slowly working and spreading in the body, but God is able to put it in reverse. And and I'll end with this. I like one time somebody asked uh, Billy Graham about healing. And and they made the statement or or something about if, if a person doesn't have a hand, do you believe that, that God could heal? And, and here's Billy, Billy Graham. He's a Baptist man. Billy Graham said, well, he said, the, the, the DNA in that body that contained all the information that caused that hand to grow in the first place is still in that body. And all it needs is somebody greater to talk to it again and tell it to put it back on there one more time. I mean, that's pretty good for a Baptist. That's, that's pretty good for a Baptist. Let's stand. Father, we thank you that you're a healer. Look upon each one of us that are here right now. And Lord, where you see weakness or infirmity in our body, we pray that as we're talking to you right now, you're laying your nail-scarred hands upon us, oh God. Father, we thank you that there's nothing greater than your name. There's nothing greater than your power. And we receive all that you have for us, God. You're a healer, you're a deliverer, you're a savior, you're a rescuer. And Father, we thank you that we're part of that covenant that permits us to be the rescued and the redeemed and the saved and the healed. So we thank you for good health. Thank you, Lord, for your words with our health to our bones. We give you the glory and praise your wonderful name. Let's just give God one minute of praise in here, right? Father, we glorify you, we honor you, and we worship you. No better way to punctuate a Lord's day than to praise you right now. Thank you that we can hear. Thank you that we're able to see. Thank you that we have lips with which we can praise you. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can stand on our own two feet and lift holy hands without wrath and doubting. We know there are many people in this world that wish they had a hand or an arm that they could lift or a leg on which they could stand. Father, thank you for a beating heart in our body. Thank you for the organs that are yet at work in our body and you reaching down, causing life, O oh God, to return to any one of them that may be weakened by any condition. You're a deliverer. You're a savior. We worship you tonight, God. Oh, yes. Oh, God, you're worthy. And we bless your wonderful name, God. Thank you for your Holy Ghost. Thank you for the touch of God. Thank you for the anointing that destroys every yoke, oh, God. Two or three are gathered. You're here in our midst. We worship you. We praise you. Glorify you. God, thank you, God, thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Amen. We serve a wonderful God. 